Region Library. We are located in the heart of downtown State College on the corner of Beaver Avenue and Allen Street. And this episode is dropping on Wednesday, January 30th. So we are almost through one month of 2019, if you can, uh, can believe that. I want to take you back a little in time to last summer, which given the weather we are having right now is kind of a pleasant uh, trip back. Uh, SCLO is home to the Images Exhibition as part of the Central Pennsylvania Festival of the Arts each July. And last July, the winning piece was The Hunt for the Red Doe, an oil painting done by Marisa Eichmann-Kupiak. And in this episode of the podcast, I have a conversation with Marisa because coming up in February, so coming up in a few days, she is going to have an exhibition in our gallery called The Hunt for the Red Doe. That piece will obviously be part of it, but it's a series of paintings that tell a story. It tells the story of one night a group of wild and wise women work together to uncover forgotten ancient women's wisdom and to initiate a young woman into adulthood and to heal the world. And I have a conversation with Marisa. She's a self-taught artist. Uh, She's a Penn State alum. She graduated with a major in English literature and a minor in psychology. And you could sort of see those uh, pieces of her her past, her major of English literature and minor in psychology come through in her work. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Marisa and get a chance to come to our gallery in February to see her exhibition, The Hunt for the Red Doe. So here's my conversation with Marisa Eichmann-Kupiak. Joining us, Marisa, on this episode of the podcast. Um, I guess, first of all, you, you, you're self, self-taught as an artist, and that fascinates me. Can you talk about how, you know, what inspired you to to learn to to do art, and how you self-taught yourself? I guess that's a, that's a good, great question. Um, uh, I'm I, I'm going to say that I'm mostly self-taught. I did take a couple of classes. Um, but many of them were springboards and inspirations to me, and they were they sent me on my way to this uh, on this journey of learning art. Um, I've always been interested in art. I've been interested in many types of art, though. Uh, writing as much as dance was something I was very interested in. Um, but uh, at a certain point, it just seemed like it was time to start learning art. And I took a course at the Art Alliance. And uh, the funny thing is, um, when I first got into art, if you'd asked me what I wanted to do, I would have said abstract expressionism, which right now is pretty much the opposite of what I'm doing right now. And uh, I I took an oil painting class, and I had decided at the beginning of the class I wanted to, you know, narrow down the abstract expressionism into landscapes. But when I got to the class, everybody was doing landscapes, so I wanted to do something different. And so I brought in a portrait to do, and um, I was hooked. I was... That was it. Something just clicked. Uh, it was not what I was expecting, but I became obsessed with painting portraits. And um, 
at the time, I don't think it was quite the right time for me. I didn't really do much art outside of the class, and when it was over, I, I didn't do much until I heard about this guy in our area, a wonderful uh, portrait painter himself. His name is David Charrier, and he was having a painting group uh, in his studio every week uh, where they would hire a model, and uh, area artists would get together, and we'd all paint the model, and he was so encouraging to me. He, um, I didn't have much of an online, I wasn't really online much on Facebook or anything, but he encouraged me to post my work, and he also pointed me to other artists that were online, and when I got onto Facebook, I realized that there was this huge, thriving community that's uh, worldwide of all of these artists that post their work, they, they talk about their process, they help each other, they, um, it's a place for them to display their work and get feedback, and it was just so exciting and challenging to me to uh, become aware of all of this art right at my fingertips that it really lit a fire, and uh, his encouragement as well um, lit a fire, and that was it, and I basically set up a program um, in my own home on weekends to start to teach myself how to really do this oil painting thing. So That's, a, that's great. Um, and you have, I guess, I don't know if you've developed your own style because you call it magical realism. I guess can you describe what that is and how you came to develop that style that, you're, that you enjoy doing now? <laughs> that is, wow. Um, it is, to me, magical realism is you're using realistic techniques, so you are trying to portray people and situations in a realistic manner, but extraordinary events and symbols are sort of breaking through the ordinary reality. Um, for me, in order to tell a story about who this person is and, um, and, and what they're doing and sort of um, embellish and talk about a deeper level of meaning in reality... Uh, I know it's a, uh, it's a movement in literature, which is where I first heard of it from, uh, originating in South America, and there's a number of really wonderful writers that write in this style, um, and I just n- knew that this was the way I wanted wow. to paint, yeah. so that's uh, it. Wow. Um, and we'll get to the painting specifically, The Hunt for the, the Red Doe, um, which is your exhibition. But first of all, with the Images Award, how surprised were you to win that? I was, <laughs> was, very, that? Yeah. I was very surprised. Yeah. I, was, I was shocked and mm-hmm. very honored. Um, it is an incredible exhibition, and there's so many wonderful works and uh, works from so many different genres and styles and techniques. So I can see how hard it would be to choose between um, so many pieces. But I was absolutely, I, uh, thanks to the uh, director of it who kept sending us reminders to, uh, to enter on the very last day, I, I entered this as sort of a kind of an afterthought. Uh, mostly just because I wanted to, I believed in the message of this painting, mm-hmm. and I wanted it to be seen, mm-hmm. and I thought this was a way to get it seen. So oh, wow. winning that award was just, you know, yeah. wonderful. Um, I guess first, how did you, because it, it's a big painting, it's, uh, yes. as you mentioned, it was like four feet wide and then three feet tall. What was that process like to create such a huge piece of art there for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Wow, I had never made anything that big before, yeah. and 
Um, at the time, I did not have a very big workspace, so it kind of took over my life. <laughs> um, it was, uh, the, the image is the most complex that I'd ever done before either. I'd only really done portraiture before. Maybe I painted a hand and some shoulders. And all of a sudden, I was painting three figures that had to be moving in space and interacting with each other. And, you know, much more fuller all the way going down to their hips in sort of the Baroque style. And in perspective as well, they weren't just looking at you straight on. And so it was a huge challenge technically for me. And a number of times I thought maybe I had bit off more than I could chew. <laughs> but I just kept going uh, because I had a show coming up and this was going to be the, the centerpiece of it. And uh, what I actually did, these, uh, these are friends of mine. They are amazing artists and teachers in their own right and um, dancers. And so we had a couple of photo shoots and um, I actually took um, each of these figures from different photos and put them together and sort of created a, a composition on in Photoshop, putting all these elements together. And that was what I used as my reference. And uh, I must say, it was really fun to paint something so big. Right. It made me feel like a little kid again, you know, <laughs> with this giant canvas. And I'm just going to work on a corner of it today. But... Mm. How long did it take you? To mm. It took me probably about three months. Wow. Yeah, uh, a lot of thought went into it beforehand, um, getting just the mm. idea and the concept and deciding how I wanted them to be moving through this forest at night. Did I want them running, leaping, mm. or uh, you know, moving more intently and quietly? And it was just a huge process from beginning to end. Wow. Um, and for those listening, we're, we're looking at an image now. Uh, Marisa has brought it to look at on our computer. And, and if you haven't seen, obviously check out the exhibition, uh, and there will be a, an image of it posted on the our, the site for the podcast. But can you talk about the the symbolism in it? I mean, there there you have these uh, three women in the forest, um, a couple owls, and then and the hunt for the red doe. I mean, what what right. does all this symbolism yeah. mean? The, uh, the whole show kind of started with the Bacchants and the Maenads of ancient Greece and Rome. And um, they were this uh, sacred, ancient woman's mystery cult. Uh, we don't know that much about them except for um, the evidence we have from the ancient writers in Greece and Rome. They would have ceremonies on the edge of civilization, in the, in the wild, in the forests and the mountains. And I was just captivated by this idea um, but wherever I looked, uh, I found, you know, writings and images of them that were, uh, that really turned me off. They were either described as brute savages or sort of drunken, uh, you know, silly, you know, about to be molested by a satyr. Uh, images like all through uh, Eastern, I mean, all of Europe was uh, painted these bacchants throughout art history. And so I decided to tell their story um, from the perspective of a woman, and um, also telling their story uh, and portraying them in a way that I think they might have really been, as real people, what they might have been doing and what their goals might have really been. Um, and then I also decided to bring them into present time, and I asked myself, what if this lineage of these women helping other women uh, become wise and, and retain their wild nature at the same time? What if it was still continuing today? And how would they be responding to the events in the world today? And what would they see as their work in the world? So this whole show was kind of born from that. 
and this is the centerpiece image. Um, the show is One Night in the Forest. It's one of their rites, which is the initiation of a young woman who is declared to be the red doe symbolically at dusk, and she goes into the forest alone, and she has tasks and challenges that she has to complete before the night is over, and she has to make it to a certain spot where um, an elder of their tribe will give her certain you know, emblems of success. So uh, this painting is actually happening right in the middle of that. These are older initiates that are helping her by symbolically hunting her. And all they really have to do is tap her. This is a symbolic uh, hunting net. Mm. Or, you know, tap her with the, the yarn. It's not a real hunt, obviously. <laughs> um, but one of the things I wanted to show and one of the messages of this show is women's ingenuity throughout the ages and women's culture and what women have invented and um, the yarn and spinning is believed to have been invented by women as well as weaving and hunting and fishing nets for what we know of from anthropology is um, were also you know made by women some of the earliest things they made with this yarn and um, so uh, it's red, which of course has a really important symbol in this painting as well. It's sort of the blood of life that connects all of us. It's, um, it is uh, a symbol of the umbilical cord, of course, mm -hmm. and uh, menstruation. Um, how all women, and indeed all humans, are connected by you know, this, this very elemental part of ourselves, which is our blood and, and what keeps us alive. And on another level, it kind of works um, women as spinners, spinners of tales, mm -hmm. and telling the stories of, of women's history and women's experiences and passing it down through the ages. And uh, there's actually a lot more <laughs> symbolism in this, but uh, I like talking to people about it and having them bring up aspects that maybe I didn't think about, and it, it happens all the time, and they're all true they're all right and they um it's really one of my favorite parts of it wow when did you set out to create a series for this exhibition a series of paintings based on a story or like did you start with did one you created one painting and I'm like wait this looks to be more how did that come about to, to create an exhibition based on Basically, that is a story. You know? Right. Yeah. It first started, it, it wasn't a story in the beginning. Yeah. It was, I was doing, one of my first completed paintings was sort of an inward self-portrait. Mm -hmm. um, she's the first Bacant. That's the painting that I named here. She doesn't, I didn't want to make her look like me physically, mm -hmm. but she has these um, sticks that are carved in the shape of horns and, and tied around her forehead with that red cord. And she was the first. I didn't have the story. But um, I was talking kind of about myself at a t first, but a specific time in my life mm -hmm. where I was trying to uh, carve my own sense of my identity. I didn't was not satisfied with the identities that the culture was handing to me, um, as I wanted to be something different, and I was sort of bravely, I'm going to say, you know, ex exploring and trying to be what I wanted to be. And so I saw myself as that first Bacant. And then I painted another one, and they just started appearing to me, um, sort of demanding to be painted. And I ended up deciding I wanted to paint them going through 
all the phases of their life. You know, this, this woman who is striving to be who she truly is and retain her, her, her divine, special animal self and, and redeem it, um, it in the face of her own humanity and become who she really wants to be. Who, what would this woman look like when she's, you know, 35 or 40? Uh, or what would she look like at the end of her life when she's gone through all these experiences and, and lived her life with this intention and this joy? Um, so that was kind of how it started. And then I, I did a show at the Belfont Art Museum, and that is where this, this show really uh, came from. Whoops. <laughs> and uh, I decided to just tell one night. I always loved that, uh, that structure of story that Shakespeare used, where you leave ordinary life behind, and everything that makes you this ordinary person, your responsibility, your jobs, and you confront you know, who you really are in the wilds of the forest or on the mountaintop. And it's like a world where it's pure and quiet and um, you can confront, you know, the very basic parts of yourself as well as confront nature and see how you fit into that matrix. So I loved that story, Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah. You know, when you, when you, and they emerge from the forest at the end of the night and there are trials. It's frightening in there. And, uh, but they emerge better and renewed and more whole, uh, maybe with a little wisdom from what happens in the forest. So I loved that structure. Wow. So. You went to Penn State, majored in English literature and minor in psychology, and it, it, it's obvious that a lot of that, you bring that up in your painting. Can you talk about, I mean, is that intentional or does it just happen that you're using what you learned and it's coming out in on the canvas <laughs> very very much so this yeah. is just who I've always been I've always had this intense curiosity about everything and I've always um, wanted to know why things are the way they are you know why are we you know the way we are you know why is what's really going on in the world and who are we in our deepest selves and so for me English literature Art always has answered or tried to answer that question for us, and in the form of literature, of course, uh, and the stories that are told. And, uh, of course, psychology was another way of exploring that. Um, and at a certain point, I, I really kind of decided for myself that story, our human minds um, process reality uh, on a very deep level in terms of story and myth and Carl Jung was a big influence. Um, he talked about the archetypes and, and how they are these like mythological figures that we all kind of have in our minds and our, in our beings and our hearts that we slip in and out of and they guide us, they show up in our dreams, um, we move through them at different phases in our lives, but they're kind of the same um, between all of us. We have this in common, and that's partly why they're called these archetypes. And I found that to be so true in my life. And so I did a lot of things, you know, after I became an English major. Um, but all of it was with this search and this quest and this exploration of the deep meaning of what it means to be human. Mm. And how can we live better mm. than, um, on this planet? Mm. And so it all tied in. Yeah. You talked about how people who see your work or especially that the specific piece you know may point out things that you and uh, are there any specific things you you remember people pointing out to you or how the, the painting 
touch them or whatever. Wow. So I, I love when people tell me what they see in it. It is such a gift, and all of them have been right. <laughs> Every, I mean, according to me, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, actually, the, the juror for the Art Alliance 50th anniversary show um, earlier this year um, was told me, uh, he, said, he said to me about the owls in the painting that are hunting in that main painting, and he pointed out that owls fly silently and when they're hunting. And, of course, because um, all of the characters in my painting have to move silently through the woods as quietly as they can to do this, you know, this symbolic hunt. Uh, the first Bacant has to be very stealthy. So that was just, I hadn't thought of that, and that was so significant. Um, another one, oh, so much. Uh, another woman, this is, this is sort of, I was standing next to a woman um, looking at it at, at the, the Belfont show, and we were looking at it and talking about it, and she said to me in this heartfelt voice, I wish I was there. And I, I knew exactly what she meant, you know. Um, in a certain sense, I got to be there all summer as I was working on this. And I, 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 that really touched me because that's exactly how I felt as I was, I was doing this. So, uh, do you, like, do, do are the, the scene, you talk about the people being models. Is the forest, is that just in your mind or do you, is it? Or, or these places you like, you know. <laughs> oh yeah, the forest. You know, yeah. I love fairy tales yeah, too, yeah. along with mythology. And of course, everything happens in the forest. But this was actually meant in my mind. The story behind this story is that this is happening all over the world on every mm-hmm. continent. Women have have this. They're getting together and they're teaching each other and they're mm-hmm. encouraging each other and they're helping each other become strong. And uh, they're sharing this this ancient wisdom that never got lost. Um, with each other, and uh, and so, but this particular story, I, it was very important to me to paint these women as if they were in the hills and forests here in central Pennsylvania. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, people always get a kick out of that when I tell them this is meant to be happening right here. Uh-huh. And uh, so, you know, any of these forests around here yeah. are kind of what I had in mind. Oh, that's great. So many beautiful yeah. ones, yeah. This might be as an English lit major about, um, but I ask all our guests about a book or books that have impacted their lives, whether as a child um, or more recently. And I'm, <laughs> like I said, as an English lit major, you probably have tons. tons. Uh, but are there are there a couple that have really impacted you, either growing up or even more recently? So many, mm-hmm. um, so many to to even name, but I, I can name some specifics. <laughs> um, well, I'm just going to talk about some of the, one book from my childhood, of course, Where the Wild Things Are, mm-hmm. Maurice Sendak. Um, him as an illustrator, just, you know, um, besides the book, uh, but all throughout my life. Um, Tolkien, The Lord of the Rings, you know, just just incredibly, uh, so much nobility and beauty in that book and honor. Um, everything. I, I was very influenced by, um, in creating this type of world and this type of thinking about women, particularly, uh, by uh, Rianne Eisler's book called The Chalice and the Blade. And she talked about um, evidence we have through archaeology of, of an earlier way where men and women lived together equally, and it was a very nurturing society. Um, and we find evidence of this through you know, religious figurines we find and their settlements and what we, we know of them. And, and how at a certain point in history we shifted over to what she calls a dominator society, which was more focused on war, and you know there is this sort of patriarchal, authoritarian type of structure to it. 
and uh, she just painted the picture of these two, um, and that really affected me. You know, a partnership society um, seemed like such a beautiful thing where people people use the wealth of the culture to build up, you know, education and you know, food and production uh, instead of you know putting our money into war machines. That was an important one. Everything by Young. He wrote an essay called uh, "The Phenomenology of the Spirit in Fairy Tales," and that one, I could just read that one forever. It is just endlessly fascinating to me. Um, and uh, Joseph Campbell is another one who's been a big influence. The Hero with a Thousand Faces, to name a specific book of his. And, you know, all of the, I think I've taken out every art technique book you have, you know, at least, you know, two or three times by now. Um, And there is, not to add too many to this list, but there's a really wonderful technique uh, book. Actually, it's not a technique book. It's in your art section. I think it's called, you know, Self-Portraits and Their Painters. And it goes back through all of the old masters and... um, shows the portraits that they painted of themselves and what they were thinking at the time and a little bit about their lives and it just makes them so alive you know for you like they could be your friend and uh, that was it's such a special book I've also gotten that out multiple times oh, so, wow, wow lots of books lots of books there <laughs> yeah, people lots. have to check those out <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, well Marisa hey thank you so much for your time and uh, definitely encourage people to check out this exhibition in, in February it's going to be great so appreciate your time again thank you so much David it was a pleasure meeting you <laughs> So I definitely encourage you to check out our gallery in February. Check out Marisa's exhibition, The Hunt for the Red Doe. And uh, it should be great. It'll, she'll be hanging her pieces on February 1st. And it'll be on display in our gallery throughout the month. Uh, if you're just coming to the library for another event or to uh, take out materials, uh, walk over to the gallery and see Marisa's work. Some other announcements, events at the library. I want to mention about uh, the weather. Obviously, we could be hitting some snowstorms. We're still in the heart of winter. But be sure if there are if there's a, sn- a significant snowstorm or anything, check out our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. That's where we announce you know, if we're closing early or opening later or not opening at all because of weather. We also send out things to the local media. But in case there's any questions... Check out our website. Also, we'll have announcements if if there's anything that's changing with our schedule because of the weather. We we've already had a few examples of that, but just as a reminder to check out our website, social media, and and local media as well to find out if if there's any changes to our schedule because of the weather. Winter reading for teens and adults has started. You can register right now. It goes through the end of March. Set goals, go on quests, win some great prizes. So check that out, uh, sclolibrary.org. You can register at where we have our summer reading. Where If you register for summer reading, go to the same site. You can register under your same name and all that and just sign up for winter reading. The Center County Reads, has we've had events starting with that. Uh, it's Vulture by Katie Fallon. Uh, so that, those discussions and events will continue on. Her visit is coming up April 4th, but if you haven't read the book yet, definitely encourage you to do that and be part of the fun of this year's Center County Reads. 
this coming Sunday in our children's department, well, it is Groundhog's Day coming up on, on, on this weekend. And so on Sunday, February 3rd, we're going to have Did the Groundhog See His Shadow? We certainly hope he did not, but um, uh, celebrate Groundhog Day with crafts, activities. This is a, an event with Penn State's uh, Women's Leadership Initiative. Coming up on February 9th, the Young Writers Workshop. If if you if your child is doing the Write and Illustrate Your Own Book Contest through our children's department, which I encourage you, they're still accepting submissions. Uh, Ann Bergevin, who's been on this podcast episode, is going to be having another Young Writers Workshop at 2 p.m. February 9th. It is limited to 20 people, so if you haven't registered, registration is required. You can register on our website. And everything, all the events, everything going on, uh, check out our websites, glowlibrary.org. Again, the social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And we just have a bunch of things happening. February is a short month, but we, we have pack a lot into it this month. And so to check out our website and social media for everything going on. And until next week, we hope to see you. Stay warm again for the weather. But until next week, we hope to see you at Sklow Library. Glow Library.